Welcome everybody to the Resilient Podcast. My name is Neil Tan and I'm your host today. Today we've got a great guest, Miles Wen, who is the founder and also CEO of Fano Labs. Welcome, Miles, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming in. So uh, why don't we just kick it off with like a quick introduction of yourself and um, you can, we, we can go from there. Yeah, sure. Cool. Hey everyone, I'm Miles, I'm founder and CEO of Fano Labs. So, and also I'm adjunct assistant professor at Hong Kong University. So. Of course, my primary job is to run a company, but I also do a part-time teaching job at a, at a university as well. And um, my company has actually been, it's been an AI company that we founded since 2015. So before we started a company, we used to be a whole bunch of academia from the University of Hong Kong. In 2015, we spun off our research lab and decided to run it at, as a commercial company. And when we started, we were thinking about, uh, we want to turn you know, our research technologies, our research technology in the lab into something that's tangible and commercially usable. So that's the, the ambition when we started. And in, in, we've been doing AI technology over for, for the better part of the past decade. So for us, the primary thing we do is actually be analyzing human languages. So the things we do in general is you give me an audio and we'll get a machine to tell you inside the audio how many different speakers are there. So are there any particular speakers that we know? So it means there are three guys in there, one of them is Miles, one female unknown and another male, which is also unknown. So we tell you that. We also look for any, where, any places where people are overlapping with each other. It's A and B talking at the same time. If there's an overlap, then we try to recover the speech signals from the overlaps. And we say, hey, A and B talking at the same time. And we recover that and say, hey, A said this, B said this. And after that, we also, and then we also analyze the, the tonal changes, the volume changes, the tempo changes, the speed changes kind of stuff to look for anomalies. We only give you signals like uh, somebody having shaky voices, we give you that signal, but we don't necessarily tell you what that means, right? Because somebody having a shaky voice could be he's sick, could be he's on drugs, or could be like he's excited, anxious, nervous, or could be just feeling cold, right? All that could happen. You have to make a big decision on the context, you know, based on the context. But we give you the anomalies, there's something really going off in this way of the town. And after that, we also and we also look for how many languages do the persons people speak in there. Did somebody, like just one of the two persons, speak multiple languages in a mixture way, or was somebody switching to a different language? If yes, was the, what's the other language that the person, one of the speakers, was speaking? That gives us information about like where might this per person come from, or where my where my other person was got educated, and of course after that we turn everything into text and we further analyze on a text level. What did they say? Did, they, did anybody mention anything in particular that we might be interested in? Such as, did somebody mention any a stock name, a person's name, location, venue, events, so on and so forth. We analyze for this. Sometimes we also generate a summary, like here's an audio with three people. A summary of A said this, a summary of B is this, a summary of C is this. We also give a summary of that. And typically we analyze data in very large volumes. And then we look for different kind of business applications. And then, and then we, for us, we just like we analyze those. We one thing we do is with the power of machine is actually typical when you have a, if you give a machine one hour of clock time to run through an open of audios, our machine can finish processing over you know a thousand hours of wow. audio within just right. one hour. Right. It can go like really speed up the entire process. Wow. And of course, we analyze different kind of insights based on who is using our technologies, who is our client, what's the use case, where they're gonna use for, and who is gonna look at the results. So right. we do all of those. So, and then um, of course, we've been running for quite, quite, a, quite a few years. So we're financially, we, have, we currently have about 75, 80 full-time employees, right. plus 100 plus consultants. So we, we, we actually engage lots of consultants to help us do quite a few of the language work. So we, cause we also, cause do many languages such as Bahasa, we do Tamil, we do this kind of um, 
Thai, we do Arabic, we do French, we do, yeah, we also do like which languages like uh, Vietnamese. We're also adding German, like all the variants of German, also adding supports for Dutch. So we're also adding supports for the Indonesian languages, including Indonesian Bahasa and the Javanese, and also quite a whole bunch of Indian languages. So we're adding all of those. So that's why we have a whole bunch of consultants working with us to tell us what's going on with the language, what's the special nuances in that particular language. If somebody give you said this, is that what kind of accent is that? We need people to do give us that, give us that kind of insights. So we have several hundred people doing that with us. And core team about eighty. We have four. We currently have four offices with the mm. offices in Singapore, Hong Kong, and Shenzhen. Wow, that is amazing. I mean, that's like uh, yeah. I mean, over the course of almost. Uh, seven, eight years that you guys have done this, right? So, I mean, what are the typical use cases that you see? I mean, you're you're probably focused on a several different sectors, and inside of those sectors, there's probably different types of use cases, right? Yep. The most popular use case we have right now is actually with the financial institutes. So, in, in our business, we have three major segments. There's a financial sector, which we look at all the financial companies, like banks, insurance companies, like funds, that kind of stuff. And the second, we also have a sector for public sector regulators and the governments. And also a third sector is primarily for the general customer service, which we're talking about enterprises, telecoms, airlines, so on and so forth. So our most popular use case right now is actually for the financial industry. Okay. What we analyze. So basically when, when, the, when the bank, you go to the bank, let's say you go to the bank, you open a bank account, or you want to do some transaction. You want to buy some assets, you want to sell some assets, that kind of stuff. So if you go to the bank and try to do that kind of, that, that kind of conversation, mm. the entire conversation with the banker will be recorded. So right. that's basically the law says, the regulation says you have to record it. You're talking about in the branch or you're talking in about branch, on the phone or? In a branch, over the phone, over Zoom, whichever means as long as it's possible to record, you're yeah. going to record it. Right. So that's uh, required by most banks. Okay. But I think that the reason why they record it is because, let's say for instance, Neil, you came to my bank, yeah. you bought this kind of asset, this kind of a fund. And we do a whole bunch of styling and you turn out losing a lot of money. Right. And you're going to come to me. Very likely you're going to come to me. Say, hey, yeah. Miles, you lied to me. You didn't say this. You didn't tell me that. Right. So that's why I lost money. So you need to compensate. Right. So that's very natural is what happens. Mm. So that's why for the sake of protecting both the consumer and the investors and the bank, the, the regulators, which were the government set a rule, say, hey, how about we record this? Now we have a record. This is how we sold you. This is why you came to buy. And we, these are things we told you. If you lost money, well, we are doing our best job sorry you cannot come back claim us mm. so that's why they have to do this but of course they also want to make sure that there's no like nobody was saying something that's, that's forbidden for instance like so you come to buy there's so many products where if a customer came to the bank say i want to buy this then it's okay the banks sell to you but if a banker come to you say hey, how about buy this this is great you can make a lot of money i see that's solicitation it's right. not okay right and of course it's not like it's not like, like you definitely cannot solicit, you can mm. solicit. But in general, if you solicit, you need to be very careful about how you do that job. If you do a sales pitch, like you exaggerate any facts, right. you'll be liable. Right? Mm. Especially if you're talking about big transactions, that can be very, very consequential for if, if things go wrong. So, so that's why they have the, so in the, guide, the banks have so many guidelines about what they have to do. But behind the scene, they also have this uh, control team, so risk management, uh, control guys. These are the guys who will do a sample checks on the sales recordings. They right. find, hey, what's going on? Or let's say, and you come to my bank, I, I, I record a transaction for you. So the transaction, and I put a remark, say, hey, this transaction was done under the instruction, a verbal instruction from a client. 
then somebody control team will come and look for the recording. Right. What did you say? Did you really tell me that it was under your instruction? Because there was actually a whole lot of issues. Like there was, there were some very bad apples over the, over the years. Like somebody doing unauthorized trading on bank customers' account. Like I bought things without your permission, so a banker wow. did that. It happened, but in the history. So he just took off and just decided, hey, I'm going to trade your book. Yes, and, <laughs> and then just if, like you, a if you make money, kind of you're thing. fine, but you're not right. making money, that's right. really bad. Like what's going right. on with that? Yeah. And there's also sometimes when, when this kind of, typically when this is really bad, it can be a mistake. But oftentimes it's a real genuine, it was intentional, typically mm. something else was here. There was also, I think two, a year ago, two years or two ago, there was a SFC slap a big fine. There was actually, I think they were sent somebody to court. It was like this guy was from a bank, from a, not a bank, but from a, a wealth management firm. He was trading on a customer's account. And he was, while he was trading, he also siphoned some of the money to his personal account and took some of the money away because the customer was rich. He's like, the customer would not easily notice a few million gone. Right. But they found it out, right? right? So that's something that's become jailable. So, but then the thing that the organization will be liable, re responsible as well, because they are supposed to, they employ the bankers. They need to do their job. So that's why the control team will just go look for all the trades. You know, for say, if that, if that transaction was done under a verbal instruction from a client, then you'll find out where did you give the verbal instruction? What did you say? Mm. And, and then does, does the tra real transaction match whatever you told me? Mm. And also sometimes, if it, is there a tr solicitation? It was, this one is like the banker said, oh, well, I did not solicit, the customer just came. Then you'll come, did you really not solicit? Did you have any words that might constitute as a solicitation? And they will have different kind of risk, risk assessment on that part. And oftentimes there's also like, I sell, I sell a product to you, whether it's solicited or not non-solicited. Then there are a whole bunch of risk disclosure I have to tell you. Right. Like this is a, a copper bond. Right. Like copper bond is not risk free. Yes. It's risky. Right. Banks, companies can default. As right. a matter of fact, they will sometimes. Right. And in those cases, did I tell you that this bond could default? Mm. Did I tell you that? Or some assets, some funds, maybe there's a currency risk, right? This one is tied to FX, certain FX. If the exchange rate between RMB and US dollar, for instance, change, fluctuate, your value will, will go down, something right. like that. Right. So did they tell, tell, tell your investor that? And typically, for that's something that the bank will also need to go check. Right. If I did not tell you the risks, then you buy a facility transaction. Then if you lose money, the bank will be liable. Mm. All right. right. Well, partially liable depending on how, how, it, how it pan out. So that's why there will people will come and listen. Sure. And their whole job is to listen. It's very expensive. First of all, getting these people to listen is very important. It's very expensive because you cannot hire a junior guy to do it. You gotta be senior people. But listening to other people trading, it's very, very painful. Right. It's very time consuming. And more importantly, this is really like, you, you can only afford a two to 3% sampling. Right. But the majority part, you're not covering it. You don't, you don't even know what's, what's happening in there. Right. So what we do with our technology, most of them, we work with the banks, we tap their recordings and say, how about we analyze for you? Right. So instead of having your, your team, you know, random sample, yeah. we analyze everything. We tell you which recording, Contains right. a pot potential solicitation, right? Without without a transaction, right? Because if you can, you might solicit in one, like you came to my branch and solicited you once, you didn't buy, you come there the other day, yep. you bought, and right. I say, oh, I did not solicit, but you solicited me like three days ago. Yes. So those kind right. of things we can also dig out because we have the, we we can identify the entire process. Right. And also if it's a transaction, it's a sales process. Well, let's say you're selling a copper bond, the bank may have forty steps you have to go through. Did you you know say everything all the forty steps? Right. Did you make all the forty disclosures? Or sometimes you need to send an email to a customer to double confirm. Did you tell a customer you're going to send an email? Yep. Or did you send an email? Right. Something like that. Right. So these are things we, we, we analyze it. And we're going to attack for like situations where 
like your banker tell a customer this is going to be a short bet you're going to make a lot of money from this you know everybody's making money out of it. the kind of stuff it's not okay by the way yeah, right. if you said that we're going to flag it hey there's something wrong you, you should not right. say it and we're going to flag it and the control team and take a look so and then and of course that just includes we don't necessarily tell the banks you're going to save a manpower on control sure but at least we make the job more bearable Sure. Because you don't have to listen. You don't have to listen. You just, the entire thing is you check the record, the signals. You, 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 I give you the, the instance that like he said, this banker said this recording. He, somebody said this one, which is not okay. You check it out. So we made the make job a lot easier. And we will we allow them to just increase the efficiency by a hundredfold. Actually, mm-hmm. sometimes you have 50, 50 times, 100 times. Wow. And we can do 100% sampling, uh, scale screening on everything that's happening. Inside like every conversation, basically. Every conversation, right, we can right, screen right. it for you. Right. And then, so it's like a huge net that's just kind of... Yes, and exactly. And it's like bum 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 bum, like red flagging. Red flagging, yes. Right, right. And, and sometimes also there was also interesting talk. One of the one of our clients is actually they said, "Hey, we have this um, your sales hat, get really mad, because all the banks, okay. all the sales guys say, what's, right. what's wrong with you guys? You you you're monitoring everything we're saying, right? Yeah. It's gonna be very very scary. Yeah. So we eventually said for the banks, you know, how about we we turn a signal in, we send a signal to your 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 sales directly as well. Yeah. So that means. If you had a transaction, we identify something. We don't just inform your control guys. Sure. We tell you as well. Right, right. So you can you can make the direct corrections. Yeah. Call the customer. Hey, sorry, Mr. Customer, I forgot to say this. How about this? Yes. You supplement it. Yes. If you're genuinely not doing bad things. Yes. Now we'll give you a chance to fix it. Yeah. And because also this one, you also add another benefit. Benefit is when typically the way banks do control for human sampling is typically a delay, a huge latency between mm. the transaction happened and when something got caught up. Right. But the thing is, in the middle of time, the market already moved. Right. If the asset was depreciating over the time, and you call the customer, say, sorry, I forgot, I told you this. Guess what the customer will do? They say, okay, let's cancel the order. Yep. But who's going to bear the losses? Right. The bank will bear the losses. Sure. So that means if you, you can shorten the time, you know, from this like few weeks delay to in, near instantaneous, yep. you don't bear the market risk. The market right. is not moving yet or not moving much yet. Right. Or, or because when the market is not moving much yet, if the customer is genuinely buying, the chance of canceling order, it's much lower. Sure. So that also a side benefit we can bring to the banks for doing right, that. Right, right. So it's almost like a more uh, preventative, if you want to say. Like in yes. some ways, like you have prevention versus like, you know, it's not, it's not a reaction. It's, you know, being proactive in terms of the way that you approach like our uh, regulatory and compliance space, right? Yes. So we do both. It is like... Uh, more reactive approach, sure. more proactive approach. Right. Depends on the timeline and priority of the bank. Right, right, right. And how, I mean, nine times out of 10, it's gonna be a reaction because it's just too massive of a sort of organization and too many different conversations and yep. so forth, right? So it's it's more of like, uh, you know, trying to catch those and then putting red flags on them and having them go through it, whether manually or not, uh, to identify that, right? Exactly. And most, as a matter of most of the banks are, who are working with us are gradually moving toward a preventive approach. Okay. Because that's we're gonna, that's the uh, that's the direction that will sit better with the sales division. Because right. after all, after all, banks have to make money. That's right. And who right. make money for them? The sales team, right? Right. Right. That's right. So they, yeah, they can't making, they can't be making those types of uh, mistakes inside of the front end of sales and things like that, right? So exactly. I think this is kind of the key. And then so when you were talking about it earlier, so you can identify people. So, you know, who's inside of the conversation in a very, let's say, multiple uh, person conversation type thing, right? Yeah. So are you using that for different types of identification? And to what extent that you are able to, what sort of accuracy levels are there and so on and so forth, right? 
inside yeah. of that solution set. Yeah, for the same regulatory application, there's an extension to it. So yeah. like, for instance, sometimes the banks internally have an inter internal legal counsel. Sure. Like sometimes the customers got really mad at you, they're going to sue you, or they're going to complain to you, they're going to file regulatory complaints. And then you need to do an internal investigation to find out what's really going on inside. Right. All right. Then you have I mean, typically allegation from customers or you know, disgruntled customers that say, you told me this, but it's not true. I lost money, blah, 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 kind of stuff. Right. And then the banks will have to do internal investigations. But the thing is, for, for a bank, they don't necessarily know when was the time when we contact this customer. You might say, I have this banker who talks to a customer, but there's so many conversations. Which one was that customer? Right. They don't necessarily know. Uh, right. But they only have a short period of time to react because yep. they're facing an allegation. They're facing someone who's trying to attack them. They need to figure out how to respond, right? So that technology, our technology in that aspect is typically used for to identify. So if you know this customer is responding, if you know who that person is, maybe have a conversation with them or figure out a way to get like maybe 10 seconds of the person's voice and put in the system. We're going to search when was the last time one of our bank's employees talking with this particular individual. Uh, and then you can figure out a story. So what did we say to the customer? Did we say something that's not good? Did we say something that's not appropriate? And then how do we formulate a response mm -hmm. to the regulator, to the customer, or to the, to the lawyer if, right. they, if they're trying to sue, starting to sue us? Right. So that's one of the cases we do. But we also do lots of you know, authentications on, on, on our bank side. Because one typical example is actually, um, in, again, for private banks. So private banks, actually, uh, many of the authentication process, let's say, Neo, you are an extremely wealthy you know, individual, I'm a banker, and they wanna, sometimes you want to place a trade, sometimes you text me, yep. but often you're going to call me, you're going to call me. Right. Say, hey, Miles, how is that kind of whatever I was looking at? You know, oh, it's pretty good. It's, why prices could just go down a little bit? Let me buy, let me, help me buy a, like, a million US dollars worth of that. Yeah. And so, okay, let's do it. And I do it for you. How do I know that's for you? So the typical oh, way for banks right. to know Sorry. who the customer is, is, yeah, I know this customer for decades. Yeah. I remember his voice, definitely him. It's his phone number, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So that's actually the traditional way of doing that. Yep. But that's not very reliable. So mm. we had one, again, this one customer that was, that was a couple of years back. They had a, they faced, it was, they were in a dispute with the customer at a, a little time. They ended up settling the entire cost stuff, which is, and that instance was very simple, which the customer was calling the banker to place a trade transaction on, I think some accumulator or something like that. Mm. And then it just so happened the senior banker was sick at that time. Okay. So his assistant banker was providing help. Yep. And of course, out of goodwill, the, assist, the assistant banker was like, yeah, uh, let me ask you some basic information, ask for name, birthday, some simple questions, yep. and then when the transaction went through. Right. And then there was a time when the market just didn't go very well, so they lost, the customer lost money, yep. and they came and complained. So it was, it was why I lost money on this one. I was I didn't place the order. So they came back and investigated. It turned out that it really was not the customer. It was not. It was not. Wow. The sound does not match the for the customer. Even the, the senior bank is in that that does not sound like the customer. Right. And then and of course they, they end up settling with the with the compensation. Mm. So that creates an issue of and there's also the that for that customer they starting the senior management start thinking about what if our senior banker left? Mm. And are we gonna lose the customer or are we not? Right. If we then, if, how long would it take for our junior banker to know the customer so well, so they can recognize? And even so, how do we ensure that he doesn't does not make a mistake? Because mm. those things can be very costly, right? Especially for well, uh, ultra, ultra high net worth people. So every time they do a trade, it's a lot of money. If every time they lose money, that's a lot of money too. Right. So and so, what we do with them is actually we end up say, how about we we do this? How about we we help you give you an extra layer of defense? We're gonna we're gonna analyze, we're analyzing your audio anyway. 
And every time you got a recording coming in, and somebody call you, we just turn it, we turn it real time. Every time somebody calls you, we do a real time, you know, monitoring on what's going on, and then we give you a bank. If your banker says something bad, we're gonna problem. We're not. We're gonna pop them. Yep. And at the same time, we if we if the customer says, oh yeah, this is from customer. Let's say Neil, mm. for instance. We're gonna we're gonna compare this this audio, the current sound on the on the quarter end, against the last time when right. this customer called you. What right. was the sound? We don't necessarily store. Like, we don't necessarily store your voice frame. We don't know who you are on our system level. Right. We're only comparing your current voice with the last time. The sure. last time when when this bank is known that you are calling the bank. Right. We'll compare that or the the, the voice you rec- you left in the, in the branch. Right. We'll compare that. If that matches, we say okay, that's a match. Right. Maybe you can go easy on KYC. Right. But if there's a mismatch, they say it's not a good match. Right. Maybe you should go further, because typically sometimes there's a lot of mismatch, right? Because you might be having a cold, right. or you may not be feeling very well, right. or somehow you're having a, an injury in your throat, that kind of stuff. Yes. You will sound different. Right. So that means this technology will not be like always be there. So that means with yep. times we say we're not we're not we're going to tell you this probably not the same person. You need to go deeper. And typically the way we measure this kind of technology is we typically give about ninety nine point five percent accuracy. Then if we say that's really to you, 99.5% of the time it's really you. Right. And but of course we have roughly three three to four percent of time when it's really you, but we say it's not you. Right. But right. typically means right. you have a there's something false positive, positive, or, false positive yeah. kind of stuff. Right. And for search recognition, we also analyze this con- contents. This recognition would typically give about 90 95% accuracy as well. Wow. So most of the time when we deploy, we're our hard commitment for right. every client is 85 minimum. And typically our range is around between 90 and 95. Right, right. And we don't go beyond, but above 95. Right. Because human parity is around. So we did lots of human tests. We got a professional transcribers, like people with a very keen ears right. to sit in the room, listen to the audio, and have to listen. We ask them to write it down and everything. We'll compare with our machine's output. Yep. Human, a human level for human experts for transcribing, you know, domain specific kind of noisy recordings, especially people with the kind of speak multiple languages. Is typically around ninety-one to ninety-three percent. Mm. So, typically we do our we we'll be in that range because sometimes we do if we we got a result like in ninety-seven yep. we got scared because we're better than humans. Right. And things, <laughs> but the thing is, how do we know that it's really correct? Because um, the ground truth we got is from the humans. Yes. Yeah. So that's typically where we look at we're we're comfortable with in the 50, 90 to ninety-five percent range because that's right. where humans will give you. Right. Right. And like not ordinary Joes, we're talking about like professionals. Right. 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 So now, I mean, you've got uh, the whole AI, you know, uh, all the Gen AI activity that's coming out with all the different deep fakes. Like, how do how do systems like yours like combat that? Because they can easily just like I don't know, take your pick. I mean, world leader X Y Z, and they can just kind of you know create their own virtual you know human or have the voice and everything like that, right? So how do you kind of combat that? Yeah, it's a couple of ways to do it. So the way we do this voice by metrics nowadays. Yep. So first of all, is if you want to do a kind of synthetic attack, yep. that means somebody need to have your voice first. And right. we're not talking about like, uh, like three or four seconds. We're talking about high quality speech for at least twenty seconds. Then you yep. can get generate something that sounds really good, right. right? And then so that's something that that means your voice has to be on the internet. Somebody need to target you. Oh, right. So that means if you're a publicly exposed person. Don't use these technologies. Don't rely on this. If this yeah. customer is a celebrity, they would say, nah, don't use the biometrics. Mm. He's already compromised. They're already compromised. Right. Don't rely on these technologies. Yes. You need a, the brick and mortar. Send your banker to the house. Right. See them. 
Like you're physically, physically come to my office, you know, yes. sit in front of me. Yes, yeah. if you're a celebrity, don't use these technologies. Right. You have to rely on the, the older way because you're vulnerable um, yes. for this kind of attacks. Sure. So in the second approach, after death, ordinary people, it's like this one, yeah, we, it's not easy for me to get, to, to get your, your audio, but they, can, they still can. Yeah. But how do we authenticate? So there's something that we're doing with that. It's also under kind of a, you know, something we're under invest in development, also doing something in a very advanced pilots is we do something called dynamic voice ID. Okay. Whenever we need, need to authenticate a person, we don't just take your voice and compare. Okay. We do live any tests. That means we're going to, if that's a machine, you are talking to a machine, the machine is going to ask a couple of questions. Sure. The question will be, what's your name? Just, these are things about your, your personal information that you're not, not everybody's supposed to know. One of the questions will also be like about what's, what time, what's the time right now? Tell me the, the time. Sure. So that means every time the content will be dynamic and we have like a thousand different questions we're going to ask. We're right. going to randomly pick three of them. Right. So that means, and then that also means that if you, if somebody trying to have a deep fake to try to beat you, yep. but if they don't know your particulars, right. they're not going to pass it because we mm. need a voice to match. We need an answer to match too. Right. And more importantly, we're going to, we're also going to, one of the limitations of deep fake technologies, none of them they are, is real time. Everything needs a pre-processing. I mean, take a voice, I need to run, a, run through this entire model for a couple of seconds, and I would, even have like very powerful machines, you're gonna run through a couple of seconds, and then I can give you an answer. Now, if, when we do authentication, we also do a timing. Every time I ask a question, we're gonna time it. When are you gonna give me an answer? If you're constant, if you give me constant delays, we're gonna flag it. So yes. no, somebody probably trying to attack it. Right. So these are things we look for. Of course, you can, in theory, bypass it, as if you have a quantum computer, all right, you have a very good scientist, you're targeting the person, and then you can't in theory, you can still get it through it. But it's, same, it's the same uh, you know, philosophy in cybersecurity. In cybersecurity world, no walls cannot be broken. Every wall can be broken. It's just a matter of how much money I'm willing to spend on that. And then the thing, and for even the same thing, similar thing for this kind of biometrics attacks, right? So if we make it very expensive, so you, you need to be a top, like top scientist. You need to have a whole bunch of like very high, powerful machines. You need to spend a lot of social engineering a person. Yep. Then the cost of attack is very high. Right. Then the better thing is it worth it? If you're a billionaire, maybe worth it. If you're not a billionaire, maybe not worth it. Probably <laughs> bother. But if you're a billionaire, your banker will come to your door anyway. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, they'll just go to you, right? I mean, that's yes. what the whole service is about. <laughs> yes. Yes. Per, private banker. <laughs> exactly. So that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, that's pretty amazing because I think ultimately people are trying to safeguard their data, safeguard their identity. You know, whether it's you know your your uh, physical features or your voice or other. I mean, you know, even facial features you were talking about, like you know your expressions and things like that. Yes. Can you actually tell? people's kind of mood or I mean can you actually do you have like a gauge as well as to these kind of like micro gestures and things like that do you do that as well we generally don't we generally okay. don't right and the reason why we don't is actually oftentimes when we're doing this compliance stuff right. so sometimes our technology will end up in the court sure as a you know as a way to testify why this is the same person sure. why he said this that right. kind of stuff. Right. So everything we do is actually we need a so everything every every time we do identification or we do right. analysis, we need to be we need to stay on the ground. Mm. That if we need it, yeah. we can come out and speak for it. Right. And we can explain why. Right. And the reason why we don't have is mood gouge is too subjective. It's like right. light, light detector. Right. right the thing but is, then you can hear the in the person's voice like they're really scared or they're nervous or they're stressed or things like that. But you can't. No. You can't. But you can't. But you can't sure. Yeah. You can't tell what the reason is behind it. Exactly. Yeah, and then, right. um, the other part is also because there's a lack of data for that part, for that, from mm. that aspect. So the typical data we're going to have, the one that's very obvious, are from the act, professional actors. 
Okay. Extremely exaggerated. Oh, it's scared. oh I'm scared. Yeah, yeah. Kind of stuff. But ordinary Joes, ordinary people, no. Right. You're not like the, there are people. There are people. I mean, I have friends like that. They can be extremely mad at you. Yeah. They look perfectly calm. Their voice is perfectly calm. They're ex- but they're already mad. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna bash you in the next <laughs> second. But they are perfectly calm. Right. There are people like that. Right. And there's also people who are like um, like they're gonna really exaggerate themselves, but they're just joking. Right. But how do you know? There's oh I'm scared. This is joke. This is exaggerating. How do you know this really scared? Right. That kind of stuff. So these things are are we figured it's a thing. It's way too subjective. Mm. There's too many uncontrollable factors. There's no, we don't have any proper ways to do a large scale, systematic and scientific measurement. If you, even when they say this person is 70% angry, 20% anxious, 10% you know, exciting, how do you know? Right. How right. could you validate that? Right. So that's something that, that's uh, uh, something about, uh, you know, when we do it, we touch a little bit about legal side on, on our business as well. Eventually, if we, if we make a claim, you need to prove it. Everything needs a company to prove it. But this is something that we cannot prove. Right. So when you, yeah, I mean, you talk uh, talked a little bit about financial services series, like you know the other segments where you talk about industry, also inside of legal. Like, what what sort of other applications outside of financial services do you guys cover as well? Yeah, we have a whole lot of. Uh, we work very closely with the likes of China Mobile. And, okay. Uh, yeah, with like China Mobile, Smartone, and CSL, these telecoms. We work sure. with those these these guys, and also we work with a very close partner with uh, Cathay Pacific. Okay. So we work with these people for primarily for uh, for optimize their analyze their call centers, their contact centers. Right. So sometimes do as a chatbot, we help them to how do we, you know, automatically respond to customers' inquiries. Yep. And how to make sure that's as as natural as possible. Right. And of, and of course, some people hate it. And some some people like it. Some people hate it. So it's subjective. But we try our best to make sure that it's really kind of a, we're giving the, the proper responses. And yes, it's um it's as professional as possible. And we can be try to be as helpful as possible, but it, you can't please anyone. So sometimes when consumers is they still yell at you. I don't know, but we, we do that. We try to automate that right. because otherwise it's gonna be you talk to a bot or you have to wait. It's gonna be right. a very long waiting time. You have to right. figure it out. And the other part is we also analyze the contact centers inquiries, the recordings, to find out what's going on. Why did people call you? Right. And to understand why people call you, they turn these things into optimization methods. Right. How they can optimize the contact centers. For instance, one of the telecoms we work with them. It's some very simple stuff. So we work with them. It's like uh, there was like a time they were pushing for five G plans, right. and they do a huge marketing campaign. And of course, when you do marketing, people call you. Yep. I mean, that's what happens. But the thing is, you want people to call you to buy. You don't want people to call you to inquire. Right. Because I'm ready marketing. You know it already. So right. if you if you saw it, you should come and buy. Otherwise, you should maybe I don't know right. do something else, right? right? But the thing is, lots of people come in. They say you know they're not buying. The majority to come and ask questions mm. and why it was like turns out at that time you know we were actually running analysis for them on the call center for that period of time from the time after the launch campaign to when people start calling and of course there's a measurement on how fast people people picking up because initially nobody asked about a particular plan right. and then the volume start picking up and just go really high right and now we analyze it initially everybody was uh, was the, the the telecom the client was thinking about maybe people call because you know they want to know about this um the migration from like 4G to 5G. Right. But no, the top question was about family sharing. Oh, okay. Because 5G is the came with all the packages and so how can we share with the family? Right. But the thing is that five the family sharing represent about 55% of the total all, all calls on that period. Inquiry calls, like pure inquiry right. about a new plan. And 
the marketing did not even put a mention on 5G family sharing right, at the very beginning. Right, they, right. They, they, they never thought that was an issue. Right. But you know, that becomes something that they really care right. about. So then they start blasting a new bunch of EDM kind of marketing stuff and tell it we have family player and this kind of stuff. Right. And all, this, all of a sudden, this, this coverage goes, goes down. Yep. And the sales goes up. Right. That kind of stuff, we actually do lots of optimizations. And the other part, some other parts, ultimately, we also did was also understanding why they call you, right? The, the typical example we did was uh, this actually have this mobile app. So they're doing. Uh, they're trying to push people to use their mobile apps yep. to do all different kind of services. And one of the things they're trying to figure out was um, at that time was trying to there was like I think launch a whole bunch of new features in there. They can do start doing new stuff, right. but there's something wrong with the design. So people mm -hmm. don't didn't necessarily know how to do it, and of course they didn't know. So and there was like a, a, a two months like this search in in volume, like people calling them and asking about these things. And the thing is, every one of these calls are extremely long. Because your call center stuff, they not know either. Right. They did not even use the app. They don't know how to use the app. They can't <laughs> get an answer. So you have to escalate and kind of right. get sponsored around. People get really right. mad at you. Right. So and then we, we dig it out. It's, oh, there's a feature you should have, you know, probably marketed or maybe you should put in more in a place where it's more obvious in the right. app. Right. And they change it, update it. Yeah. And of course, and then volume goes down. Yeah. That saves a lot, actually saves a lot of money. And also that increases lots, like, lots of efficiency for them. Right. Yeah. So it's basically like the chef has to taste his own cooking or her own cooking and experience that like from a user perspective and then they can understand how to solve the customer's problems. Kind of exactly, thing, right? exactly. Otherwise they keep running into the wall and hitting same pain points that most of the consumers have. Exactly. So, so uh, you know, maybe kind of switching gears a little bit and talking a little bit about your personal journey because, you know, you started out uh, in, in a different sector or a different area and, and you kind of got into this area and became an entrepreneur. Like, can you tell us a little bit about this journey that you went through and how you got there? Yeah, the journey was um, not smooth. I was think not it smooth. Have, yeah, it was. Uh, the it wasn't like a, you know, uh, nah. a straight shot or anything like that. No, it was like a roller coaster. <laughs> I think um, right, eight right. years running the company, I think there was right. like four to five times where we were almost died. Really? Yeah. Four to opinion. five times almost, we're almost, we're almost like, died. Literally just ran out of money or it was Yeah, just, we're almost, we're almost like trying to hit the wall, trying to almost like almost like i'm gonna die wow let's figure it out like that kind of stuff we're, we're running we're gonna run through that four or five times right for different reasons right. for different kind of reasons and then but I, I think the entire journey was like but uh you know i i you know when i started a company i'm a pure academia yeah. so is my co-founders right just like we're all academia doing when we started off we thought you know we have this great technologies we we have so many papers and so many citations so people read our papers. Citations mean people read our papers. That means our opinions matter. Mm. It's like having a views, like so right. many views on YouTube. That means yes. yeah, people find it interesting. Right. In academic world, if you had a citation, if you cite your paper, it's yeah, nice, right, kind of stuff. Right. And then also, we have, we love that. We thought we're gonna when we come out. So we have so great technology. Everybody come and buy it. Turn out to be wrong. Very very wrong actually. As a matter of fact, completely wrong. Completely wrong. Because because <laughs> people don't buy technologies that they buy what's the value for them, right? Right. This is what's the value for me? Right. So it took us quite a few years to figure out the use cases. So mm. how this thing will bring benefits? How will this bring value to people? Right. Technology itself is really not, you know, well it's useful, but it's only a means. Yep. It's not a goal. The goal is the use case, the value. Mm. So it took us quite a lot of time to figure. First of all, it took took me a year to relearn really the lesson, to really get my, my mindset right. So like kind of make the transition from academia to like business. Like right? To a business. Right, it, right. it took me a whole year to make that transition. Because, you know, think about academia, it's like, 
you know, we go to conferences, you're yeah. always on the spotlight, you go yeah. on stage to present. Right. And you, at that time when in school, I'm saying I'm wearing Hong Kong U badge, right? I'm a really yeah. professor, kind of an academic badge. We go to the industry, a right. company, everybody sit down and listen. Yeah. But once you no longer wear the badge, the people say, like, who are you? Kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so, and it took me a little while to figure out that part. Right. And after that, I was like, and the next question was, yes, now I need to look at the industry, look at applications. What am I going to do? Mm. I had no, like, I had no working experience at the time. Right. I was, my entire career before the panel was, my company was academia. Right. I have no idea how banks work. Right. I have no idea how all corporates work. So there was, I, I still remember I was, um, there was a time I was talking with a kind of a mentor and a friend called Simon, a very senior guy in the working in another organization. And then it was like one time I was talking with them. So he said, yeah, hey, my assignment, I'm like, we're hitting walls. We're not getting anywhere. Right. This is around, I think back in 2017 or ish. Right. And then and someone says, Miles, I think there's one thing you haven't got it right. So you are trying to sell to this large organization. You're talking to the airports, you're talking about airlines, that kind of stuff. This is a very serious business. Mm. Everything we do, there are consequences if things go wrong. Yeah. You're bringing me this new product, the trial, this kind of st something, trial thing. You got to convince them that this is not going to bring a, a time bomb. It's going to be okay. Mm, it's right. going to be A-OK. -okay. It's not going to bring a bomb to them. Right. Nobody right. going to be able to defuse it yeah. if it goes off. Yeah. And that learning lesson, yeah, I have to wear, you know, in addition to use cases, the values, and you yes. think from the, our client's perspectives, what kind of risk are we bringing to them? Right. And do we have ways to address the, the risks? Right. Kind of stuff? Just look at the other angles. And of course, we, we run through so many different kind of, um, you know, up and downs, different trial and errors. I think we tried and we... Our first product actually took off was around about chatbots. Okay. So we, we our first customer was in we launched a, a voice enabled, you know, trilingual multi Cantonese English trilingual chatbot for CLP. Okay. That was that was back in 2016. Wow. 2016 2017. Right, right. That was before chatbot was a term. Yep. At that time we called it AI concierge because there was no the term chatbot was not even invented. <laughs> so we launched the first for them. And then there was a uh, yeah first one industry that was the glory the, the good history that was our first industry launch case it was really excited, but then now we hit walls after that. Right. We, uh, we did a couple of projects we did a couple of big clients after that and then we hit walls, because this is really hard to scale. For us, chatbots require so much services. It's uh, you can do very good technologies, but you just have to for every industry you have to customize it for a little bit. Mm. So and then it's not scaling very well. And also we're trying to figure out something. We start thinking about something new. Right. Can, can we do more? And I was looking at the. So you basically data. pivoted out of chatbots and went in a different direction. Yes, we still have chatbots. Right. But we say this is something that we're gonna keep doing, but it's sure. not gonna be our growth engine. We need something else to give us growth. Yes. And I will look at the analytics part. Right. Oh, these call centers. You know, if we can analyze this, there's one we did one exercise. We just did a, like the kind of five G stuff. Yep. It's like we just did a very. We spent like a day or so working on it. We just like just analyze it, and there we go. We saved like millions of dollars. Wow. Oh, several, that's several, we did the math, that's several million dollars. And I said, damn, that's easy. <laughs> well, that's not easy, but it's right, like, right. this is something that's like, this is a leverage, something the tech beauty of technology to give you a leverage. Right. All right, you, you need to get this thing done, but if you have a leverage with the technology, you can like give a hundred times leverage. That's right. the value of it. So right. that's something we should do. So when we start really going deep on this analytics part, the call center stuff. And then, and then at some point it was really going very well. And then, and then COVID came. Oh, and during right. COVID, all this industry was like collapsing, it was not working, it was sure, like nobody's yeah. investing money. Right. And I was trying to figure out what's going on after that. Right. And then at, at that time, we needed further pivot. It was realized, it was like, it was a, it was a, we were visited by a couple of 
clients, actually some of them from government, some of the banks from the bank side. So and then, and then they told me that they have this new problem. They have so many audio to analyze for issues, the red flags. Mm -hmm. And then we tested our system. It worked perfect. It was fantastic. We saved them a lot of money. We gave them lots of time. Right. And we helped them find whatever they're looking for at the time. Right. And then I realized this is something that's great because that was a bad economy. That was 2020, late 2020. And everybody already. was going online, right? I mean, everybody was yes. basically doing online banking or, you know. Yes, and then that was the time when the market, stock market was surging. Yeah. Everybody stay home, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Buy stocks, you yeah. buy, you trade. Right, right. Everybody become a trader almost like that. Right. So, so the risk level right. on the banks just, just, just grows tremendously. Right, and how to de-risk was you. Yes, and then all of a sudden, there's all risk control guys have got to really scare right. what's going on. I don't know yeah. what's happening. Yeah. And then we realized that's something we can find out. Right. And also at that time, we had uh, when we try to find that use case, I was internally talking to my investors, talking to my directors and my, my, my senior management and said, hey, we need to find a new angle, like new direction, either a product or feature or a new market where our customers are going to pay us very well, even in the market, even when the market is going very, very, very badly. Right. We need a use case like that. Because we had to, when we do a customer service, it's more like when the market is going down, they're gonna slash budget from that department for right. sure. But compliance is like, no, you're gonna spend the money unless yeah. you wanna you wanna just completely move away from business. Otherwise, you need, you're gonna spend the money. Right. So that's where we start looking into this industry. So we started in looking at compliance since 2021. Right. Late 2020, early 2021. It's been quite successful. We got I think the majority of the largest banks in the region are working with us. Yeah, most of the ones you can. On the, on the top of our list, sure. they're probably our clients already. Because <laughs> um, we're not supposed right. to name them, but they're, they're yeah. like, you just, uh, there's so, just only so many of them anyway. Yeah, that's so, we, so that's with the entire journey. I, I think one of my, my experience actually, also my team is actually, we, that's, 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 I think that's also in the bones of my culture, in our company culture is we have this uh, no BS culture. We say, if we don't know, don't know. Tell people you don't, we don't know. And then we ask. Okay, yeah. it's like typically when somebody, you know, we, we go out to clients for feedback all the time. Yep. So if, even if somebody you know somebody turn me down, I say okay, no problem. Just I don't want to change your decision. I don't intend to do it. It's okay to turn me down. But would you be able to give me some feedbacks? Mm. So we take feedbacks a lot, and also we we do spend a lot of time uh, studying to learn about new industries. For legal part, that just came actually referred recently. There's a legal start coming out, and then I, actually nowadays, it's, I think for a, almost half a year, I spend more time reading law papers. Okay. They're reading engineering papers, <laughs> AI papers, because I figure that's more interesting and that's more relevant because I need to understand what's going on. Right. Before I can really, you know, like tell the customers why there's something they can use. Yep. So there's also something that, um, you know, it's really eventually to become, become part of our culture, part of our gene. So everyone in my team, we just uh, like, we learn a lot, we try to grow, we're trying to understand because we made it clear to on day one that we might not win, probably not the expert right. in what you're doing. You are the expert. But guess what? We're good in AI, we're good in technologies, and then we're also being quite some experience forming different uh, solutions and kind of uh, working with different industries. How about you tell me how things work? In your, you know, what's your pain point? And then I'm gonna study. And I'm gonna come back, show you something that, figure out some proposals, how we can, we can possibly solve the problem. We can do pilots. And after that, things are really good, we can push forward to it. We don't, we, try, we typically try to be, take that tone. Right. So we have the reputation, generally have reputation, we don't oversell, we like to, to be, we we typically undersell a little bit, so we can do we can give you like a hundred percent. We say you know probably eighty percent. Yeah, you're gonna you'd be happy if I give you ninety. <laughs> if, I tell, gonna, if I tell you I'm gonna give you a hundred, you only end up getting ninety. You're yeah. not gonna be very happy. Right, right, right. Always yes. exceed expectations, right? Yeah. So, so we, we have the culture of going that way. So right. there's good and bad sometimes. Right. Investors don't like me for you know understand a little bit. Sandbagging. 
Yeah, but the thing is, you know, it's um, no, for the long, for the sake of long term, that's yeah. gonna be better. Right, right. Yeah. So what's the what's the most? Uh, I guess what use case have you? I guess either saved the most uh, for your client or have exceeded the KPI beyond belief. Like, you know, is there any particular use case that you know, or, or a specific case that you've gone through? Like, hey, we found you know this particular piece of evidence and that saved the bank X, Y, and Z, or so and so said so and so X, Y, and Z. I mean, is there some sort of like, what is the the case study or the one that you would display on the on the top of the shelf? There are so many actually. There's so many of them. Yeah. So on the non-banking side, yeah. there was actually one large, you know, kind of service provider. We are working with them. We work with them on churn prevention. Churn, okay. Churn Turnover. Turnover. Turnover of their okay. Yes. Of their customers. Because the customers. Yes. Yeah. Because they're running on like telecoms, right? It's like yeah. a telecom industry. They're running on, you know, subscriptions. Absolutely. Like you pay a monthly fee, you sign a two-year contracts, and then after that you renew or you leave. But the thing is, every time you sign two years, if a customer leaves, yeah. you don't see the customer again in two years' time. Yep. So that's a lot of money lost, could be lost. So that's why they have um, retention. It was like, when you perform, you, you expire. They're going to look for, if you're already going, talking about, I'm going to leave, and then and somebody's gonna, probably going to call you. Yes. And they do that based on the, like whoever contact center guys will drop a note, and they're going to pass to the retention, they're going to call you. And they just call you and say, hey, can you stay? We're going to better offers. You mean that's, this is kind of like almost crossing immigration. It's like, this guy looks really fishy. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> like, the, pull him to the side and like search his bags. Kind no, 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 it's not like that. Like the, the way they do it, they used to do it, it's very primitive. Yeah. It's really like somebody dropped a note, hey, this guy might be leaving, he says he's going to leave. And then the call center uh, staff is going to pass to the other team, the retention right. team, and okay. they're going to call you. Right. By the time they call you, they have no context of why. They just say, hey, I view a better offer. How about just that? like right away, hey, you know, I'll give you a 10% discount, 20% discount, like whatever that. the number is. Something right? like that, right? Yeah, right. But the thing is, first of all, and we run an exercise like, there, when we do this, let's how about we get AI to automatically pass the information along. Right. All right, first thing is like, turns out that 30% of this kind of customer leaving, yeah. they're not getting passed by the humans. Right. No, we'll capture the 30%. Oh, so I see. So that typically right, when they right. call you to give you a return, re, uh, right. return offer, sure. the renewal rate was around 55%. Right. So half of the time you're gonna you're gonna say yes, say yes. Yes. So that means twenty five percent. Now we'll give you now that that's that was not even captured. Now we're gonna have it. Right. And the other part is also there are also a whole bunch of other customers that did not explicitly tell you they're gonna leave, mm. but they end up leaving. And who are the customers? Like uh, if a customer actually we had a very interesting analysis at that time. It's like if a customer calls you within the past year, and they'll call you about some problem they have with the network. Right. If that's one single problem, like you're being too expensive the chance of leaving is very low. Okay. If only call you once, talk about one problem, the correlation with the leave departure, now I'm looking at historical data, sure. is near zero. Right. But if they call you for two reasons, mm. like said, you're like never- in the same conversation, two reasons. No, they call you twice. Well, like oh, call one, you two separate incidences. Yes, right. or one instance would mention two different stuffs, yep. or more different stuffs. Right. Then they would, that will have about 85% correlation mm. with the actual departure. Sure. And that these are things they didn't, they didn't, they might not explicitly say they're gonna leave, right. but they end up leaving. Right. So the things that we cover is like, hey, how about call these guys? Right. And by the time we, when the retention call you, they don't, they don't give you the, they don't give you the offer. Right. They will say, hey, I know this problem we're gonna have. You know, I know network is not very well. You know, you know, in your near house, we're gonna set a new base station there. We're gonna improve next year. Right. Stay with us. <laughs> then they're gonna stay. You're not, right. you're not giving discounts. Yeah. But you're gonna stay. Right. All right. That kind of stuff. It's so that particular case. I think based on the number we saw from the, the customer, I think we're, we're saving them several tens of millions. 
right. every year and just right. for this one. Right. Just right. for getting make sure the customer don't leave. Right. Because it, with the, the way they measure is actually every time you lose a customer, that's two years of worth of contract. Right. It's a lot of money. Right. In Hong Kong standards, two year contracts typically are a monthly plan somewhere between 200 to 300. Right. Hong dollars per month. Right. So cheaper ones, 100, 100 ish. Yep. But on average, about 200. Right. I mean, 200 per month, we're talking about 2,000, 2,400 per, per year. So right. That's almost, you know, 5,000 for two years. Right. So every customer is worth that much for two years. And then, yeah, I mean, it's not even talking about the cost of acquisition for those customers, yes. right? Because that front end spend that you have to do for marketing and conversions is also not figured yes. inside of so that. that so that KP at the return on investment for that piece was off the chart. Yeah. It was like, wow. everybody's so freaking happy, right? <laughs> so then of course, we also rather use right. control. You also, it had those extremely high KPIs, extremely right. high return on investments. Right. Because they don't necessarily measure our costs, but just like typically the, the banks that we control, the KPIs sometimes about what's the percentage of coverage, sometimes about, well, only I'm going to sample, let's say 10,000 per year, right? you know, recordings per year. So something like that. Then the question becomes, how many people do they have to put a provision? If that's only, they only say, I'm going to listen to 10,000 per year. Sure. How many people do I need to right. process 10,000? That's right. And the other side is also, if they say we're going to do a percentage, then how many people do we need to, to provision that? So they typically benchmark on a cost level. And the other part, of course, they also do like, well, you know, in theory, we have all those transactions that are, we have like 100,000 audios coming up every year. And among them, roughly 20,000 are transaction related. And about the 20,000 transactions, in theory, we need to cover all of them. How much manpower do we have? Right. And how much how much manpower do we have to to, to find out which two thousand, twenty thousand out of ten a hundred thousand are the ones we're looking for? Right. So they have they have cost metrics on that particular aspect. Those are those are money they never spend, but they really want to spend to just can't figure out a budget. And the we cost of running our system to find do all the things, they got a positive return probably in two months into easily, use. easily. Very easy. Extremely Very easy. easy. And it's, that's they say, Oh, that's money it's value for money. Yeah. Instantly, yeah. right. So we do a lot of those kind of things. It's, uh, it's again, it's for leverage. So leverage right. technology is really for large organizations. You spend one dollar, you get ten dollars in return. Right. Something like that. Right. That's leverage. Right. Yeah. What's what's sort of the roadmap for Fano? I mean, you know, just kind of looking at the future, where are you guys headed? You know, what sort of product development are you guys looking at? Uh, what sort of use cases are you uh, trying to target? Maybe as the next phase of growth. So. Yeah, we're actually right now we're spending more time working with the financial industry. Yeah. And also, we're also spending our strength. Actually, we're an enterprise space. So we have a financial industry, the existing call center industry, and also government sector. Right. So one of the things we do is actually we say we are constantly, we don't necessarily say we're going we're gonna to do this and that. We're going to say, hey, we're going to work with this bank, this customers we have, right. to investigate more use cases with them. Cause many so almost use, like co-creation type. Co-creation yeah. type stuff. Right. Because one thing we learned is actually our secret sauce. It's not secret sauce, but it's like our way to success at the moment is we try not to... Like think about what you need and we'll create it for you. Right. We're gonna ask you precisely what you're gonna need, how you work. And we say, oh, this is how you work. And this is what I think AI can help. Let's do a pilot. If it works, if we see that this entire industry would need it, we'll branch it out. Right. We'll sell to the United industry. Sure. So most of the time we like to, we have lots of this conversation with our customers that we co-create. And, right. and that's also what give us, the majority of our product, by the way, was not like, I thought about it, yeah, it's going to work, I'm going to do it. It's never like that. Most of our product was inspired from our clients. Mm. And that has been how we've been coming so far. Right. I would like to keep it that way. And of course, we, we, you know, as we geographically, we're also expanding. Since Open Hong Kong, we got reconnected to the world. Right. We're actively expanding to the global market right now. Okay. So we set, up, we, set up, we set up an office in Singapore around summer this year. Right. So then we had the, 
we got employees over there. So we got we starting to have contracts coming from Singapore, from Malaysia, and from many parts of Southeast Asia. So we're some of our clients are multinational banks. They're also looking to bring us to Europe. Europe also have a similar issue of multilingual. Right. So it's very easy to find. It's interesting. It's very easy to find a European guy who can speak four or five languages. Easy. It's very hard to find an American guy speak two or three <laughs> languages, right? So that's like these are mono monolingual countries, but European yeah. is very very similar in a sense to, to mm. Asia. It's like right. people are multilingual. Right. And so you're you're basically looking down south to Southeast Asia and also going out west more into Europe and so forth, right? Yes. And that's kind of like the geographic expansion. Yes. Now, if you kind of look at the future of the AI sort of market or the trends inside of AI, maybe you can share a little bit about your views on that area. I mean, there's so much stuff that's happening in there and that type of development. Where do you think that we're headed there? No, I think funny thing is I started doing AI. Let me give you a tell a joke. It's a very funny joke. Before 2015, you know, when we were doing um, still academia, so every time we had a student graduating from research lab doing AI, yep. our first advice is when you go look for a job, do not tell people you're doing AI. Say anything. <laughs> Why? Computer science, mathematics, right. program, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Just, just no AI. Maybe take big data, whatever it is, right? Just right. no AI. Because people think you're a liar and they're going to throw you out the door. All right. All right. That was the mentality before, you know, in the early days. It was like super early. Like, they're, they're yeah, like this then, guy is just like, you know, using a computer to do yes. mathematics or some kind yes. of stuff. And, 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 and now it's and the opposite. Yeah. Now it's like we have students come statistics coming from business yeah. schools. I'm doing AI. Yeah. People are doing mathematics. Yeah, I'm doing AI. Yeah, saying that. Exactly. It's uh, very interesting to see how this thing changed. Right. But in any case, so being, we've been doing AI for so long, this technology for so long. So right. in the technology, first of all, it's never something that, well, from consumers, oh, that's all of a sudden it came out. But in, in research field, it, it's really like that. Right. It's, it's always a reg incremental change over time. It gradually build on, we say we, we build on top of the, the shoulders of the giants, gradually make it mm. higher and higher and higher and better and better. Right. Uh, and it all, there were also, before we had this, this current kind of a, a big hype, like big excitement about AI, we had another one back in 2018, 19, if you remember, that was the time when AlphaGo won the chat, the Go oh. game. Yeah. I remember that right. was like the entire right. market, was, the world was like, was like, was, was spoiling. It's like just, yeah, it's going to kill us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And a, f a couple of years later, they said, oh, no, no AI anymore. And then now it's all back. <laughs> and now it's all back. Yeah. So and even stronger. Yeah. Like 10 times, 100 times stronger. Right? Yes. But uh, my, my general view is, um, you know, when I look at this, it's, yeah, this kind of ups and downs all the time. Right. So I, I think there's a, there are definitely lots of achievements we're doing right now in the AI community. Right. There are also a whole bunch of hypes. Mm. And to some degree, it's a little bit overhyped for the large language models, which is, I mean, they're useful, they're good. They're definitely very good, very powerful. But it's not like, uh, it's not like omnipowerful, like a godlike kind of stuff not people yet. describe. Not uh, that, not that. It's, like, yeah, yeah I mean, some still of the like, people inside of conspiracy theories think that we're gonna get there at one yeah, point. No, but this right? kind of, these kind of guys, they conspired about it, you know, five years ago. Yeah. This conspired about since, you know, 20 years, 10 years, 20 years ago. Right, right. When we had a first, you know, kind of a calculator that conspired about a calculator is going to be the human machine and because that's how calculation is only something a human can do and now a machine can do it. Right. The kind of stuff, right? I mean, people always, you know, you know, fantasize about it, which is fine. Sure. I mean, that's why we have a dreams, right? Human, that's what, that's what humans do with dream, right? But it's, uh, I think when I look at the like real applications or down the ground, it's yeah. still like the incremental changes. We're getting some, you know, new perspective. We know something more can be done, but it's not like it can do everything for us. Right. We're still, uh, like, you know, we have also this another joke in the community is a general general AI, yeah. the general artificial intelligence yeah. is it's gonna be five years from now. Right. And then 
10 years ago, we said they're going to be five years from now. Five years ago, we said it's going to be five years from now. Today, we're going to say five years from now as well. I can, I can bet you five years later, we're going to say it's going to be five years from now. <laughs> you know, from five years from now. <laughs> right, right. Because the thing is, it's just going to be like the definition is not there. And right. just like a whole bunch of stuff, we're just keeping it, making it better. We're thinking about new use cases. Right. Eventually, as a technology, as a, a view AI as a tool. Mm. And tool, we are tool makers. Right. And tools needs to serve the means. Yeah. It's just the means needs to serve the purpose. And we define the purpose. Right. And the key is, where is the purpose? What, we're, what are we doing with this? Right. So I think it's, uh, there's something that, that uh, for me, is like where AI is going to be working on. Right. I think all the hype, all the excitement will cool down you know, very, very soon. Right. Oh, you think it's going to take a step, like kind of take a breather, you mean? You're going to take a breather. It will, it will be there. Like AI will be like be there, which really just want this current like wave of large models will really bring lots of, you know, exercise time in society. Everybody knows about it. Everybody's excited about it. Right. But the hype will come to an end. Why? Why will it kind of slow down? Because it's just kind of like no, it's massive a, hockey stick. It's just... already getting slowed down in some aspects. Okay. Because large language models have been there for like a year already. Sure. What are the killer apps? Yep. Still remains to be seen. Everything exactly. is kind of like built into, you know, all the different searches, search engines and things yes, like that. Those but are then it's like, you know, there haven't been any, there's tons of apps actually. There's tons of apps, but no killer app per yeah. se, right? Yes. Yeah. What is the thing they use every day? Yeah. Well, Copiloting maybe. Microsoft one, I think sure. I, love, love, I use that every day. But right. what else? Coding, yes, it's useful. What right. else, right? right? Those are things, uh, I think the hub will be gone is because when the time when people say, hey, um, we're not seeing so many, you know, kind of uh, killer apps. Right. Maybe time to take a step back and think about what should we probably use it? What's the right expectation for it? So as a technologist, I, I, I myself, I really, the top thing that I'm scared of is people giving unexpected, you know, like very, you know, unrealistic expectations yep. on technologies. Right. That scares me a lot because right. if you have really un unrealistic expectations, how am I supposed to deliver? Right. If I'm a professor, if I'm still academia, I don't give a shit, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't care. I just talk. Right. Yeah. I don't have to deliver, right? <laughs> you don't have to execute. Yeah, what I'm yeah. going to do. But if as a company, if you, somebody give me unrealistic expectations, oh, come on, I, can't, I cannot sign a contract with you. Right. I can't do it. Yes. And it's not like you know, we're a relatively small company compared with Microsoft. You can't, I mean, we can't walk away from things like if we tell her something, we're going to do something, we can't do it. Yeah. That's going to hurt us very big time. We right, can't walk right. away from it. We, yeah. we need a safeguard of our reputation for that. Yeah. And it's right. also, and also sometimes if you, if you overpromise a little bit or they have unrealistic expectations, you can't deliver. Right. It's just going to be a lose-lose for everyone. Right, right. So that's something that I fear the most. Um, so I, I think people, the hype will, will be off for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Probably hopefully within the next couple of months, people will start cool down a little bit. Like right. Just to really think, what is the value out of it? What right. is the, the goal for this new wave AI? Right, right. When you look at it, we're throwing all this uh, resource, computational resources, spend so all the money on this, you know, large models. Is that something that we, we really need? Do we right. really need these larger models? Maybe we should somehow we need smaller models. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff, and sure. then and also look at those things. Where can we actually use find use really using this? What's mm -hmm. the value it can bring to us? Right. In well, maybe other than helping you do a homework, <laughs> right? <laughs> like basically the daily utility. It's it's like basically the you know like the Apple Watch or something like that. Like you put it on every day, tracks all your different movements, all the steps and things like that. What is that application, right? Yes. That, that's kind of like the way that you see it. Is. Yes. So. But it, it will be there. It will be there. There definitely will be some killer applications. Yeah. But I think right now it's just still, this will, it will take a little time for it to come. And there's also, there probably just to be a handful of those. It will not be like just everywhere. Right. And then the excitement will, will come down very soon, I, right. I, 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 I assume. Very cool. 
Miles, we could be here sitting here for hours talking about this stuff, but I know you got to take off. So I really appreciate you coming in, having a chat with us and talking a little bit about your business and your personal journey. So really appreciate it. Thanks Thank for you having so much. me. Really appreciate it.